Welcome back. Welcome in a special edition of Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Of all the unknowns that we're trying to solve and the mysteries that are being resolved in front of us, just on the West Virginia University beat, we forget that things are happening outside of our orbit. And one of those events is approaching rapidly. A game, perhaps, against Eastern Kentucky of the Ohio Valley Conference have knocked on doors almost, definitely called people, sent emails to no avail from EKU. Turns out they're pretty busy down there right now, as is our special guest today, Nathan Hutchinson from the Richmond Register down in Kentucky. Um, I don't know how to ask you this, Nathan, but what's life like right now down there? Uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's the same it's been for like the last five months. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, uh, you kind of like you said, there's so many uncertainties, and uh, there's supposed to be a game on September 3rd against Western Carolina, and nobody at this point has any idea whether that's going to happen or not. So uh, I guess we're just waiting around, I guess. Yeah, we forget that. Like, we're focused here on September 12th. That's the first game that West Virginia can play because they're in the Big 12. The Big 12 will let you play the 12th or 19th and then start conference play. What's happening for you guys, for the team that you cover, for the conference that your team is in, is up in the air right now. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. We kind of thought that Thursday evening, the presidents or the athletic directors there would pull the plug in the fall season and maybe let teams play non-conference games. Maybe not. That would be entirely up to the schools, I would imagine. But here we are some 12, 16 hours later, and we really don't know what's going on. Um, I'm many, many miles away there. You're right on the edge of the beat. What is the status as we talk right now? Yeah, the, the league's presidents met last night. We uh, just like you said, everybody expected some sort of resolution that whether they would go along with like what the Missouri Valley and the and the South the Southern Conference said. You know, go ahead and push it to spring, but you can play non-conference games. But uh, they put out a statement last night, late, saying that they had concluded for the day. They hadn't made a decision. They'd come back today, and uh, like you said, as we're as we're recording this, it's a little bit afternoon, and we still have not heard anything. So uh, we're the uh, there are 13 football championship subdivision conferences uh, in this country, and 12 of them have announced their plans, and one hasn't, and that's the Ohio Valley Conference. So uh, here we are on, uh, you know, Friday, uh, August 14th, with uh, no direction from those guys yet. So uh, it's a it's a waiting game, I guess. What what feel do you have for what the OVC will do, and then separate from that, how the Colonels will adjust? Well, I, you know, I, I'd like to said just a second ago there, I, I assumed they'd probably follow along with everybody else, uh, the other FCS conferences, as far as uh, allowing them to play non-conference games. Because, I mean, let's be honest about it. These uh, uh, schools this size need these games. They need to play FBS teams uh, to get that money. And you know, the West Virginia game is a $450,000 payout for EK. And mm. they need that. They need that badly. So, uh, and, you know, I mean, Tennessee Tech just picked up a game with, uh, I think it was uh, Rice, or uh, they picked up another Big 12 team, uh, or some somebody, I can't remember which one on top of my head, but they, they picked up a Big 12 team as well. Other schools are, are scheduled to play, you know, big money teams. The league needs these games. These, teams, these schools need that money to fund their athletic departments. So I, I assume that's what they will do. They will allow them to, to play three or four games here in August slash uh, September, and then... Uh, you know, try to play some sort of a, a championship, uh, you know, conference schedule in the in the spring, depending on what the, the COVID situation looks like at that point. Because 
at this point, if, if the OVC were to maverick renegade go out and decide they're just going to play their regular conference schedule, they'd be the only FCS conference in America to do that. And uh, <laughs> so I don't understand what you do. You can't have a national championship. You, you'd be playing for an OVC championship. Uh, but then, you know, if the rest of the FCS in the spring decides to play, and they've already played, does their champion somehow get to go on to the playoffs at the end of all that? I mean, it it's, doesn't seem to make any sense, but uh, I just assumed they would go along with everybody else. But the, the fact that they couldn't come to a decision last night makes you wonder where their thought process is and what they're, what they're going to do here. Uh, here's an interesting thing, too. Um, I'm curious what the mood is among what you feel or maybe what you know about the coaches or the athletes of the other fall sports on campus. Um, volleyball, soccer, cross country. Uh, actually, I think golf is a spring sport, but they, they compete in the fall. Um, anyways, there's more than one fall sport on that campus. And I wonder what you sense the, the temperature or the mood of the room is when everybody's put on the shelf, <laughs> but let's play football instead. Like, it's not good for you all, but we need this one team to actually function. Is that as strange there as it seems from afar? Well, I mean, it's, uh, I was just looking at that. I mean, the, the OBC on June 3rd put out a statement saying that all those other sports would play uh, only non-conference games and we'd push back until September, except football. So, I mean, you have to, um, once again, you have to realize that those sports and like our, the cross-country program here at Eastern Kentucky is nationally ranked. Mm -hmm. uh, we're better than University of Kentucky. We're better than Louisville. We're better than a lot of uh, big name programs from Power Five conferences. But it doesn't make any money, and the soccer team doesn't make any money, and the volleyball team doesn't make any money. You know, the only, only, only one of the fall sports that makes any money is football. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously an economic decision, and I'm not trying to sound harsh when I say that or trying to make them sound like a horrible, evil university that's only out to make money, but it's just a simple matter of the fact that that's how it works. And uh, so, yeah, you would have to think, and I haven't had a chance to talk to any of the other sports right now because uh, we really haven't jumped into any previews or anything because everything is on hold, but... I mean, they have to feel like they're just kind of the lost, the lost children, you know, the redheaded stepchild that don't really get much attention. Nobody <laughs> cares about them, you know. And uh, but, uh, but I mean, you know, we all know it. If you if you have any kind of experience with any kind of coverage of major college sports and football and basketball rule today, and that's really all that matters financially. Yeah, separate whatever level, it's going to be the same. You're right there. Um, we talked on Thursday briefly. I was finally able to get in touch with some people who are. Um, around EKU who are familiar with it and the question they have is why is West Virginia so intent on playing this game which yeah. is not the first time I've heard that lately it's a pretty good question um, is that unusual down there a different perspective in your neighborhood but is that a similar point or a similar curiosity people have I've not heard that from from too many people around here I mean uh, you know I, I mean like most sports fans around here you know people just want to get back to normal and get winning want to play you know and um and i think everybody understands the dynamic of it and that four hundred fifty thousand dollar number has been thrown around quite a bit. people people know how much they're getting paid for this and that and that's not you know I, to throw that number around it's you know we every year we play a game like that and get some sort of money like that i mean that's not an exorbitant amount of money or something special you know I, 17 years i've been covering eku they've gone to uh the university of florida they've gone to kansas state uh they've uh, Vanderbilt, Purdue, Cincinnati, and you get about similar paychecks from just about all those places. Uh, so people understand the money involved and uh, how it comes along. But, you know, I just don't know that there's really that much of an interest 
um, right now, I'm just I, I guess there's it's it's just there's just kind of a malaise, I guess, because nobody really knows what's going on, and it's kind of hard to right. get excited about you know September third, which is you know that's uh, you know uh, three Thursdays from now. They're supposed to be uh, open the season at home against Western Carolina, and we don't even know if there's going to be any fans in the stands or if the game will be canceled or uh, or anything. So there's just not really any buzz at all, really, in the community around the season or anything because you don't know anything, you know, what's going on. And of course, you know, you probably, you probably had it on your list of topics to talk about here, but of course, you, you know, we've actually had some negative publicity around the program uh, oh. as well with uh, COVID issues. And so uh, that's kind of dominated the headlines at this point. So, but I, it doesn't really seem to be much of a buzz right now because I think a lot of people just either think it won't happen or just are not sure. And then even if you can, you probably can't go to the games. And so um, it's, it's just kind of hard to tell. It's, and COVID just, you know, the last five months has just, you know, kind of been hanging over everything. And that's, it's still- I guess my, I guess my curiosity here, and I think this is what people were talking about, is that West Virginia could go out and get different people. And maybe, as you mentioned, not with some of the backdrop that's going on at EKU, but they want to play this so much so that I do believe that there were some conversations about maybe even getting this in earlier than anticipated August 29th, maybe September 5th. I don't think September 5th would work, but um, in your discussions with people down there, had, had you heard all about maybe moving this game earlier before the current scheduling came out? Cause I think that's indicative of the fact that these two teams really do want to play each other. Yeah, it was uh, before we had just recently had some uh, players uh, come out with some concerns about how the COVID was being handled on campus before that, they were definitely planning on moving it up. Uh, I talked to the athletic director and they absolutely wanted to play on August 29th, big zero. They wanted to move that game. Both parties wanted to move it, but uh, we had a young man who's a kicker on the team who came forward and he left the program. Um, he put out a very harsh Instagram post saying that a lot of the safety protocols weren't being followed and that's why he had decided to leave. Uh, so I think after, after that kind of blew up and then about five or six other kids also quit the team, that uh, the thought of moving it up would, would have been not good for PR, I don't think. If you've got uh, people complaining that you're not doing the right things and, and then you want to move up a game and play it extra early just, you know, just because. So uh, that was definitely on the table. I think it was going to happen. And I think all this kind of killed that off pretty quick. Well, Nathan, let's get into it right now. Um, the reason that we're talking probably is because there is a heightened level of concern about the state of affairs inside that program. Uh, first year coach, that's going to be tricky no matter what. Um, the way that things are right now with the environment as it is and COVID, as you said, just kind of an umbrella organization over us for the past five months uh, has produced some some pretty, uh, again, worrisome headlines down there. Players in and out, um, good players quitting, maybe anonymous players quitting that you just don't know about it so much in the sense of a college football fan. Entire positions walking out on meetings or practices. Um, what's the what's the damage there as far as who's there, who's wavering, uh, who is maybe committed to seeing this through, and who is uncertain? Because it it's uh it's not a great picture from here, but again, we're far away. Yeah, it, it's so hard to tell. They've really uh, in years past, the program has been very open. You could literally just walk into practice. Anybody could. They actually always encourage fans to show up. Uh, but of course. You know, with the, the health situation the way it is, they, they did close the practices. So uh, that's not necessarily just because of some of the controversy that's come up. So I don't want to paint it that they've closed everything off because they don't they want to hide something or whatever. I mean, obviously, you don't want people out there 
uh, in a situation like that. So it's understandable that they closed it off to the media and the press. But uh, I mean, you know, it was very easy when the, the first young man who came out and and left the program, he was really a third string kicker. And so you got typically you got a lot of the backlash from social media from, oh, he wasn't going to play anyway. Who cares about the third string kicker? Yada, yada, yada. But then the next day when a, you know, second team all all OBC offensive lineman walks away from his last season on campus. That's a pretty powerful statement. And then the next over the next three days, you had three more guys who were all starters on the defense also walk away from the team. Uh, that's, once again, pretty powerful statements. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, and it's kind of really hard to understand what's going on. I've heard so many different things, and, um, you know, uh, inside the university really aren't saying much. <laughs> I try to hit up my normal contacts and, uh, you know, in my own personal opinion, I think the administration at EKU is, has handled it pretty badly uh, as far as the public relation end of it. Because uh, when the first young man quit, who actually is a local kid, whose mom and dad went to school there, his two sisters went to school there, and one of his sisters married a former EKU football player. So the kid who had a real love for the university, and uh, he came out with his statement about how things were and why he left. And there they come back with a statement basically saying, nothing to see here we're doing everything right everything's fine and you know maybe at that point if they just would have been a little more gracious maybe and just been like hey we'll look into this we'll we'll take you know we we take this seriously and we'll you know we'll make every you know we'll we'll conduct a full review and we'll make sure this doesn't happen again but now instead the response was basically just nothing to see here we didn't do anything wrong and then uh the kid put out a statement another statement two days later uh, I guess it was on a Thursday evening, and then the athletic director responds to him at 12.15 in the morning, puts out a statement, looks really kind of childish that you're kind of going back and forth with a, a 21-year-old kid <laughs> putting out dueling statements, I guess. Uh, but once again, just saying, we didn't do anything wrong, we didn't do anything wrong, it's not, you know, and uh, that type of thing. So I, I don't know, it's kind of hard to know what's going on in there. Um, I, I've heard from other people, I had a guy who has roommates with a football player, lives off they live off campus and he said you know they're not testing so they didn't test for a month you know he said my roommate goes off to practice every day then he comes home to our apartment you know and he's like you know so they're not they didn't have those guys quarantined uh at least not the upperclassmen and those people um so um so it's really hard to tell it doesn't look bad it doesn't look good for them it's a bad look for sure um and we did have a they had a couple of kids test positive last week uh, I never could get anybody to confirm on that, but I know I had that from multiple people. And uh, back in July, one of their quarterbacks, Dakota Allen, uh, he he posted a lot of stuff on social media that I that kind of raised my eyebrows. And then talking to some people, I like, confirmed that he had COVID uh, back in July, at least. So um, it's it's really, you know, it's it's been hard to really gauge what's going on over there. I, I mean, it may, it may be may not be as bad as everybody wants to believe, or maybe it's you know. But uh, it's, you know, it's just not, it's not a good look. And uh, I mean, moving forward, it's, it's probably, you know, certainly I can't imagine help with recruiting and stuff that you've had these issues come out and be in the press and uh, that type of thing, especially for a first year coaching staff, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, what has to happen to play this game? And that's a loaded question, I understand. But it seems like that Eastern Kentucky is going to have to adhere to West Virginia's testing, which is Big 12. Um, which I think would mean the week of the game, you're testing three times. I believe that West Virginia is going to pay for that, take it out of the guarantee that it's going to pay Eastern Kentucky. I don't know when that starts. I'm, I'm not sure what good it does you if you start at the first week 
of the season and then a bunch of kids pop up positive and you can't play the game. It might be better off to do that a couple of weeks before to maybe weed out some people or maybe get some people quarantined and they're back on the field in a couple of weeks. Um, and then also before any of that, is there a general condition in the program that has to improve so more people don't leave and that a, a situation that isn't good doesn't in fact get worse where unfortunately maybe a shell of a team or a fracturing of a team is what comes to Morgantown and that doesn't really help anybody. Do you have a feel for what has to happen here? Well, I mean, they, they did, uh, um, I think they had, they had done some testing and, um, the, uh, interim president who had just been recommended to be the president, but he's still technically the interim president. He told the Richmond city commission the other day that every, everybody would be tested 72 hours before every game. Um, so, and on this, like, like, I assume, like you said, that West Virginia will do the big 12 and they will, that they will take over the testing of that game and make sure that, um, before they, you know, bring them up there, that, uh, it's met up to their standards and, and, uh, and all that. But, uh, I mean, to me, it just seems like it's, uh, I mean, it's just hell or high water. I mean, the, as far as from Eastern's perspective, they're going to play. And I mean, I, I've, I, you, the things I've heard coming out of that program from players and parents and stuff is, uh, that they they don't have any intention of canceling anything. There was, you know, that I had several people tell me that the head coach Walt Wells is running around telling his kids that even if the OBC cancels, they'll go out and find games and they'll play an entire eleven game season if they have to go out and find people to play. So um, they're gonna hell or high water gonna play. And uh, I mean they they've only had you know as far as I can tell it's only been maybe six seven eight kids who have left, um, and they brought in already added eleven players to the roster including nine transfers um so they're they're trying to replenish the the holes they had and i mean now with the big 10 canceling i wouldn't be surprised if some of those kids showed up on campuses all across the country at uh, smaller schools somewhere and so there's no telling uh what might pop up but i you know i have no doubt in my mind that the athletic director and the head coach will do whatever they have to do to get this game in no doubt in my mind uh let's talk about the actual game and the team here um Seven and five last year. Bring back some some decent talent. Not everybody, as you mentioned, and yeah. some of those names that I saw you had written about are players who were not starters or even stars at FBS schools, but were certainly talented above the FCS level and could probably come in and eventually ingratiate themselves and play pretty well. That might not do them a ton of good for the first game, but um, as far as you can tell, when we get down to the nuts and bolts of football, what type of a team? Uh, could a new coach out? We'll get into the coach in a minute, but um, seven wins, decent offense, some, some nice players back on both sides of the ball, but um, all things equal, could it be a good team eventually? Uh, I mean, it's so hard to tell. I mean, it's, uh, uh, like I said, I've been here for almost two decades and we've, we've had a, you know, a series of coaching changes now in the last few years. And I mean, it, it's not unusual to have a lot of turnover when there's a coaching, you know, switch and, you know, a lot of guys just, you know, X guy recruited you and he's your guy. And then they bring in Y guy. Then they don't want to, you know, they don't want to play for that guy because he's not their guy. So, I mean, I went through the roster the other day and um, uh, there were 53 kids listed on the depth chart for the final game of last season. And only 24 of those kids are back at this point. And, uh, and that's not just COVID. I don't want to make it sound like all these kids left because of COVID uh, but, you know, a lot of graduations, a lot of people leave. We had some medical DQs and that type of thing as well. So, I mean, the, in particular on defense, I mean, it's there's 
there's only two starters back on defense. The defense mm-hmm. has really been uh, decimated uh, by that. And um, we've had a couple of quarterbacks that are no longer here. Uh, they graduated their best running back. And it's, <laughs> it's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, you know, what really could be put out there. And they, they had a scrimmage last Saturday. Of course, we weren't able to go out and watch. And so um, I wish I could give you some more <laughs> information. But at this point, they haven't put out a depth chart. They really don't have any kind of information at this point. So um, I'm kind of flying blind on this. But, uh, I mean, there's good pieces there. I mean, Parker McKinney, you know, yep. he's, he's going to be a sophomore, the quarterback. He's actually uh, – he actually, his freshman year, started the final four games of the season and was still able to get the red shirt and play last year as a redshirt freshman. And, uh, you know, last year they kind of went back and forth between several quarterbacks, uh, but he's the, the best returner and uh, uh, from that lot. And he'll be his third year and only be a redshirt sophomore, and he's already played in, you know, well over a dozen uh, college football games. Uh, the running back, Alonzo Booth, is a, is a hoss. I mean, he's, uh, you know, uh, 6'1", 250, just a bowling ball. And, uh, of course, we had some questions about him. I had to – I was told by some people that he had left the program, that he had actually, um, <laughs> I was actually told by somebody that they, that they took him to the airport and put him on a plane. But then I, oh. I, he posted some stuff on social media about being back. So I'm not really sure what his status is either, but you know, he's a very good player. Uh, the offensive line was very strong last year and had a couple of those guys back, Jackson Bardall and uh, Tucker Schroeder and uh, Chris Franthony. And of course they did, uh, Graham Ashkettle did walk away from the team because of COVID and uh, a couple other kids did graduate uh, from there too and uh, got a couple of nice tight ends you know Ethan Brads uh, who's uh, his brother played basketball which was in our league and uh, that type of thing and uh, but it's just a lot of question marks I, I scratched off all these names I'm looking, I'm looking at this depth chart right now from that last game last year and just all the names I've crossed off is is uh, pretty amazing so uh, there's a lot of question marks and you know, they didn't get to go through a full spring either. They got to start the spring and then uh, obviously weren't able to continue it. So uh, I, I can't imagine at this point what the depth chart even looks like. So uh, it'd be very interesting to see when they put that out. And like I said, September 3rd is not that far away. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what that looks like when it does actually come out. Can I put you on the spot with one player that I noticed like, sure. right away and I wonder about him? Sure. Uh, Isaiah Velez, the quarterback. Okay. Who was the starter for Miami's Northwestern High that won a state championship? This which is the one that was at Nevada. The one that was at Nevada is that the one? No, he was um he was a redshirt freshman last year, but he went to oh. Miami's Northwestern High, won a state championship, which is like high level football, and redshirted last year. But that seems like a pretty talented kid. I mean, I'm looking at I'm pulling up his bio now. Twenty seven hundred yards, twenty eight touchdowns as a senior. They won a state title. Uh, redshirted last year. I know they need a quarterback this year. Um, you mentioned obviously that uh, you know he's a little bit perhaps with experience behind McKinney, but that's a talented player. Um, have you heard anything about him as far as like a talent that maybe has a chance here? Yeah, they redshirted him last year. Um, did not, they didn't play at all. Um, so really don't know much about him either at this point. I mean, uh, they really like McKinney. Um, and of course they had um, they had um, a couple of other guys last year, uh, Connor Blunt had come in from Oregon State and it was actually the starter at the beginning of the season and he didn't do very well and kind of went in and out and had some injuries as well. And they also had another kid uh, as well. Sorry for even, even remember these kids' names anymore. Austin Scott was also here for – he also has left the program as well. Um, but 
so yeah, I mean Dakota Allen is back. Like I said, he's a, he's he'll be a redshirt junior, and Parker McKinney's just a redshirt sophomore. And uh, and yeah, Bell, yeah, we didn't see Velez play last year, and uh, didn't really hear much about him. So um, they had four. I think they played four different quarterbacks last year, and he was not one of them. So um, like I said, we didn't get to go to the scrimmages. I I can't tell you anything about him. They put out a press release. I think um, that said McKinney threw a couple of touchdown passes, but didn't really mention anybody else. So without any hmm. you know. Any firsthand experience, I, I don't know, but obviously at the, I would think McKinney would be at the top of the depth chart with probably with Dakota Allen behind him if he's recovered from the, his uh, battle with COVID, and then uh, you go from there. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, six foot three, hundred and eighty pounds, Velez is, and uh, definitely on paper he's got the pedigree. So interesting to see if he if he gets a chance or not. Yeah, interesting talent. Uh, last I'll let you go here. Um, the new coach is Walt Wells. Um, I think people are down there are familiar with him. And not only because he was at Kentucky before, but he has a connection to the, to the program. Uh, been there before. Uh, always good when you can bring somebody back and, and kind of keep it in the family. Um, it seems like it's unfortunate that all of this has happened because it should be a feel-good story with him. And maybe this is a guy, as you mentioned, he could steady some things after some turnover in the past many years with the coaching staff. And maybe this is a guy they find they like and they're able to you know go onward and upward with him until maybe he succeeds at a level that he moves on. And you kind of keep it going. But um, – it feels like this could have been a better story. Let's let's try to write that story here. What does it mean to hire him and to have him in the fold and kind of have one of your own? You know, he's not a graduate, but he's familiar with the program. But to kind of have a guy like that there and, and maybe get this thing back on track and, and aim toward the top. It's a it, it, trust me. It, it's it's you know, in my two decades I've been doing this. You really you real you real quick realize how much the the history of this program means uh, to the university and to the community and all the alumni and everybody and. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody knows Roy Kidd. You know, he's here for he went over 300 games and two national championships, and uh, that's still what they hang the, the, the that's still the backbone of this program. And mm-hmm. uh, Walt Wells has a you know he was one of the few people out there still that has a direct connection to Roy Kidd. He worked on his staff in the last few years that that Roy was there, and so it was. Uh, I mean, we, they had the press conference to to announce him, and uh, you know, Roy's got to be in got to be in his 80s at this point. But you know, Roy Kidd stands up and screams. EKU football is back, and uh, <laughs> any any connection to that glory years and that glory days is very important to people. And Walt Walt has that, and the the alumni and everybody loved that about him. Uh, I mean, his guy's been around a lot of places. He was never a head coach anywhere. I mean, he was at Tennessee and a lot of other places, and uh, mostly just as position coaches and a few spots as a coordinator. But uh, it was very very important. The, the last guy we had here, Mark Elder, uh, was not. He did not have any connection to the program. And that made a lot of people mad. Um, uh, and, and to be honest, I'll be, just be honest, a lot of people did not like that. You know, he was a young up-and-coming kid guy. You know, he'd been at Cincinnati and Tennessee and uh, you know, had been at a lot of good places and had a lot of good experience and a lot of you know, good stuff on his resume. But uh, he just didn't have any connection to the school, and a lot of people just didn't like that. And then he had back-to-back losing seasons, which, of course, doesn't help either on top of that the first two years you're here. So, uh, no, trust me, everybody – the people in the program, who the, the the Colonel Club and the Warren Fleet Club uh, that we have around here, uh, love the fact that it's Walt Wells, and that's that's who they wanted, and they couldn't be happier. And of course, unfortunately, the the, the beginning of his tenure couldn't have, you know, nobody could have imagined how this would turn out with you know not not having a spring and uh, and then all this and everything else. And so, um, 
you know, and who knows what will happen going forward. You know, maybe, you know, might have three games in September and then not play again until April or something. So, but, but no, trust me, it's a tradition, tradition rich program. And, uh, they, they really love having somebody back with, with the connection to that, to that history. And, I mean, Roy, Roy Kidd is, a, is, is obviously a, a very important person around this town and still, still is, and still holds a lot of weight. And so, uh, a lot of people are very, very glad somebody with a connection to him is leading the program again. Two fun connections, if you don't mind me here. Uh, Dean Hood is one of the best people I'd ever interviewed. Um, oh, yeah. Former EKU head coach. Love that guy and his stories because he is largely responsible for kind of ushering in the the three three five that was so prominent here at West Virginia for a number of years. He had an, he, he obviously was um, defensive coordinator at Glenville State when Tony Gibson, who was the old coordinator here was a player there and he had some great stories about that. And he met with some of the coaches in the West Virginia staff. And here goes the, the three, three, five, because they visited him down at Eastern Kentucky and, and had some ideas about how to make it work. And then um, I'm pretty sure now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I want to say that Mark Elder is now the coach at Moeller high school in Ohio, which is a big time high school football program. And West Virginia's starting guard, uh, Deuce McBride was a star quarterback there too. So uh, that is where Elder ended up, right? Yes, yeah, he's uh, he's there, and actually, Dean Hood is now at uh, at the rival Murray State. Uh, the, the, oh yeah, the, in our league, and is a bitter, bitter, long time rival with Eastern. So uh, he actually got. Uh, it was quite funny. We went to the press conference for the announcement of Walt Wells, and I think I think either the day before or the day after Murray had announced Dean. So Murray kind of, I don't say stole a little bit of the thunder, but because <laughs> 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 we Eastern had let Dean go. You know, after, uh, after I think it was eight seasons a while back, and they let him go and went to UK and, and went to Kentucky and uh, was on the staff there and special teams coordinator and did a great job there. And so now he's back in the OVC with the uh, you know probably one of against one of Eastern's biggest rivals. So, yeah. so lots of connections there. That, that, that if, whenever that game, if that game happens that year, the Murray State EKU game should be very very interesting. <laughs> I'm sure that. Both both teams, uh, you know, obviously both programs hate each other anyway to begin with, and so now with that added uh, twist to it, I'm sure that I'm sure Dean would love to get a little revenge on the school that let him go, and, and I'm sure that you know the new coaching staff here would like to, you know, show that uh, they they're a better staff than they are. So, so yeah, very interesting. Well, I guess hey, it's all... Let's cross our fingers, Nathan. Let's hope this all works out. Let's hope that uh, you get a seat in the press box, or at least you got a game to write about in September, but uh, even before that, get the season going, right? That'd be awesome. Well, I, like, you know, I was talking to some people today, and I'm like, are, you know, do we know fans? Do we know media? Do we know photographers? Do we know anything about anything? Or, you know, and a, you know, I know a guy over at Eastern who does, he does all the on-field promotional stuff. You know, he, he runs out there and does the, you know, silly games and stuff during the breaks and, you know, and all that type of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, and he's like, I have to get tested every week. He's like, we can't bring anybody on the field and he's, you know, like the sideline reporters for the radio have to be tested, you know, every so often. And, you know, cause I, a lot of times I'm down there taking pictures. So, you know, do I have to be tested? I mean, I, there's just so many unknowns and it's, you know, it's, it's just around the corner. If, if we're going to stick to the original schedule, it's, you know, it's going to be here before we know it. And really just, you know, nobody knows. So <laughs> like I said, the last, the last, it's just, that's like the last five months of our lives in a, in a nutshell. Huh? Nobody knows. We just, we just keep going about our business and trying to get by the best we can. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I would love to come up to Morgantown if they play the game. So I, you know, if I do, I, you know, be nice to run into you. So look me up if, if we actually play. So. 
All right, man. We'll shake hands. Well, we can't shake hands. We'll tap elbows if they let us in the press box. And uh, if not, I don't know. We'll trade quotes or something like that. We'll find a way to make it work. But uh, hey, man, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for updating us and everything. And uh, best of luck going forward. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Take care. Take care.